Welcome to the British American Football Coaches Association podcast, a resource designed to support both British football coaches and coaches from around the world. This podcast features special guests discussing techniques, scheme, philosophies and culture for the sport of American football to help develop and grow the game worldwide. Now here's your host, Adam Lillis. Hello and welcome to the BAFCA Coaching Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on the platform of your choice and share with your coaching staffs to increase the audience of the podcast. Today we are joined by the cornerbacks coach of the Baylor University Bears, Coach Brian Stewart. As usual, get in contact if you want to recommend a future guest on the show and to provide feedback. Now let's listen in to Coach Brian Stewart. Hello and welcome to the BAFCA Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Adam Lillis. I'm delighted to be joined today by a coach with over 25 years of coaching experience at the NCAA and NFL levels. He's currently the cornerbacks coach at the Baylor University Bears, Coach Brian Stewart. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Adam. Appreciate you uh, having me on. Uh, it's, it's great to have you on. Um, it's always good to have... Uh, guests from across the pond, as we say, over in America. Um, we, get, we have a lot of British coaches as well, on, but it's just always good to see how coaches are doing it with arguably more resource at their disposal, but the, what we often see is that the same mindset and the same fundamentals run through. So before we get into it, um, you're the cornerbacks coach at Baylor, and we're going to talk about uh, defensive backs and drills and things like that today but before we get into it why don't you give the listeners a bit of a rundown of your coaching history how you got into football in the first place and some of the places that you coached up until the current day in case they don't know your know your story absolutely absolutely again a uh, full name brian brian stewart uh, I've, I've played football most of my life since i was seventh grade american football that is and uh fell in love with it just running around, whoever had the ball gets tackled. So that, uh, that, that kind of got me in love with it. And then once I finished college, I went to uh, a junior college first, Santa Monica City College uh, by Santa Monica Beach in Los Angeles, California. And then I went to uh, Northern Arizona, which is in Flagstaff, Arizona. And that's where I played, my, played collegiately. After I played collegiately, um, I kind of knocked around little, little leagues, uh, tried to play in the NFL, um, didn't make it there arena football didn't make it there but just my love for the game kept propelling me to, to want more so uh um starts my career getting get into college coaching first you know um i've been a college coach uh, i've been coaching for 27 years you know um, from college i was at cal poly san luis obispo where i met my wife then back to my alma mater in northern arizona then i had a, a lot of different different turns san jose state university of missouri um, syracuse a lot of a lot of different places. And then um, 2002, the NFL had a new team, the, the Houston Texans. Um, Don Capers was the head coach. Vic Fangio, who's now the head coach at the Chicago uh, Denver Broncos, was a defensive coordinator. And that's where I uh, learned the 3-4 defense and my first introduction to the NFL. That was uh, 2002, um, new Houston Texans. I was there for two years, and then I went to San Diego Chargers under Marty Schottenheimer. I was there with Marty, um, the defense coordinator there was Wade Phillips, 
So I continued learning the 3-4 defense there. And then uh, once uh, Wade left to go to the Dallas Cowboys, I went with Wade to Dallas Cowboys to be his defensive coordinator. We were there for a while, and then I went back into college coaching to be the defensive coordinator at University of Houston uh, in, in Texas, Houston, Texas. And I was there. Um, we, we ended up being 13-1, and one, had a great run, great run. And then uh, from there, I was a defensive coordinator at University of Maryland. And, uh, in Maryland, obviously. And then, uh, then Nebraska, you know, tooled around again, some college teams, and then got back in the NFL um, 2018 and 2019 with the Detroit Lions, where I coached uh, the corners, had a great secondary as far as uh, Pro Bowl-wise. I had a Pro Bowl player in Darius Slay, and then I had an um, alternative Pro Bowl player in, in uh, in Quadri Diggs. And then last year, um, this past season, um, we went to the Pro Bowl as a family by Darius Slay invited us there. And um, it was awesome. And while I was at the Pro Bowl is when I got the call by Baylor um, to ask if I'd like to come over and, and be a pass game coordinator and help with the corners. And um, that brings me to where I am now. That's kind of the, the, the football story. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of moves in a quick way. Sure. And you spent a lot of time both in the college and the pro level. Is In terms of coaching and the type of players that you're getting, other than the obvious age differences of the players and the talent level at the pro, is there any other major differences in how you approach your coaching um, to each of those levels? You know, uh, there's a yes and a no to that, Adam. I'll tell you why. Um, remember, like we talked, like you mentioned, the age difference. So when you're talking to men, uh, 24, 25, you know, 30 sometimes, they they they're, they want to understand why. They want to see how it helps them. So you're talking more of the why when you're coaching in the NFL. In college, um, you're not talking the why because they're basically going to do whatever you tell them to do. So um, what I've learned from being in both is – that's probably the best way to coach is get somebody to understand the why. And um, once you understand the why as a player, it's easier to execute because you know why we're doing this, how this relates, how this drill relates to what we're going to be doing in the game, how this call relates to what, we're, what we want on third down. So I've really taken the why from the NFL and brought it to the college, college, um, college scene. Also, in college, you have a bigger influence on the players by the way you are. They're, they take on your personality. Well, in the, in the NFL, I want the same thing. I want the same thing. So that's what I took from college to the, to the NFL was um, I, wanna, I, wanna be, I want them to see a person that's, that's respectful, loves the game, and admires, admires the game and the people around it. And I want that to reflect as well as being tough and firm with the guys I coach. And that's, those are the two things that I got to cross over in both the NFL as well as the NCAA. And, and that's great. Um, so let's get into it. You've spent the majority of your career uh, coaching defensive backs and uh, being a defense coordinator. Over in the UK and other areas of Europe, uh, we as coaches will just often recruit players 
like maybe athletes from other sports, but players that have never played the sport before. So they're off, often we have a lot of athletes that are trying to work out where they best fit on the field because, as you know, football's got a wide range of abilities and skills and uh, sizes that we need. If you, uh, let's say, we, you're in a position where you're coaching in, in Britain and you were coaching defensive backs, are there any specific attributes that you're looking for in an individual for them to be able to play at a high level at corner or safety? Yeah, well, first and foremost, um, I'd have to ask some questions about the, the British game. Do you guys, do you throw the ball as much as the American football, Amer Americans do? Uh, it varies. I mean, in more recent years, our, our quarterback levels have risen, our protection levels have risen. So we have started to pass the ball a lot more and it, and we've, our, the level of receivers and defensive backs has also increased. So whilst we're definitely not on the same level as college football or we're probably a lot of teams are on a similar level to maybe high school football, but we're just older athletes. Um, but okay. we, we, we have the ability to pass and run um, in the same way. Okay. So the, the reason why I ask that is because that, that, that'll kind of tell you what you want. If they're, if they're passing the ball an awful lot, then what you would want is you would want an elite soccer player with footwork, good footwork, who could dribble the ball well, do those things as a corner, because you know those guys will be able to cut a receiver off down the field. So you would look for a good soccer player. Um, Height-wise, it really depends on the average of the, the average receivers, the people that they were going against are 6'1", then you're going to have to try to get at least a 5'10". Your, your corners will have to be at least 5'10". Um, but I would get a lead soccer player that can dribble, that can move his feet real well because then he'll be able to cut off the receiver. Um, the next one is safety. I would, I would, I would get a safety that, that um, has some size so he can tackle. So um, you say size, you know, I'm talking 6 feet, 190, 195. Um, but does does have some speed. Um, you say what sport? Probably rugby. You know, uh, plays rugby. Does a good job tackling people. Uh, not scared. Not scared to mess it up. You know, mix it up. Also, um, even a, a goalie, somebody who can jump and attack the ball a little bit, so that they can attack the ball downfield. So those were the athletes I would be looking at, and I'd be working out to see if they could handle doing some of the drills that we do defensive back wise. Sure, and on, on that topic, if I just gave you a group of athletes, let's say you had 10 athletes, what sort of drills and workouts would you be putting them through in order to, to assess those attributes? Well, in, in football, so you got different different drills, right? You got movement drills, you got turnover drills. So I would do the movement drills first. And the movement drills would be get on a line, like on the yard yard line, and then I would tell them to, to run backwards and then just see their movement going backwards. So I'll get everybody running backwards. Then next thing you know, I'll get them to run backwards and turn over their right shoulder. And I'll get them to run backwards and turn over their left shoulder. Um, what I'm trying to do there, see what kind of balance they got when they open up, when they kick 180, um, if they could stay on that line, if they, how they, their footwork is, do they reach? Do they have to take a lot of steps? Because that's going to determine where they can stop a nine route if somebody's running right at them. The other one I would do is I would backpedal them on the line. I'd have three cones, backpedal them on the line, 
can the plant in drive at a 45 degree angle at another cone, stop them, backpedal them again, make them run backwards again, plant and drive at a 45, drive at a 45 degree angle. And then I would do that twice, one, one each way. And then the next time I do it, I will throw the football to see if they could do those movements and still catch the ball. Uh, I would do a, a battery of those kind of movements, you know, so you'd say, what do I say? So they would backpedal, back, you know, run backwards, open up to their left shoulder, still looking at me or looking at a quarterback, looking at me, and then come downhill at a 45, that's one. Backpedal, open up again, and then come up, um, now do a 90 degree plant and run 90. And I would do it first, just move it, and then later on, I would throw the football. Um, what I'm doing, two things, I'm, 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 I'm judging their movement, and judging their ball skills, if they can catch catch or track the ball, those are those are those are some some of the drills I would do just to see what kind of football acumen they have, or that I could do I could I could push to another level. Sure, and it kind of leads on to my next question, which is sometimes in terms of coaching resource over in the UK, we don't necessarily have. Every team will have 10, 12 coaches. Sometimes we'll only have five or six coaches or maybe three coaches. A lot of the times with defensive backs, we would tend to bundle the corners and the safeties together when we sort of work our individual drills. Do you think it's important that those units work separately to each other or together or a bit of both? How would you normally approach that as a defence coordinator in terms of uh, uh, that is a, That is... That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, so first and foremost, I think that um, they all got to work as a unit, as defensive backs, not individual, not corner. And I say they, they got to work as a unit. So a lot of the movement stuff we do together. We do together. So we do those, you know, the plant drive, you know, the plant drive or catch the ball. Um, then we have, um, then we have another, say five, we have 15 minutes, and then now the next five minutes would be safety, just safety drills. So you say, what does that mean? That means the safeties are acting like they're the deep player, looking at the quarterback, looking at the quarterback's shoulder so they know where, how deep the quarterback is going. If the quarterback looks like he's doing a hand grenade, then he's going deep, and then they'll get deep and attack the ball. If the, excuse me, if the quarterback looks like he's doing a pitch, then they'll, it's an intermediate, and then they'll, They'll settle down and plant drive on the intermediate though. The corners, on the other hand, may be working on man drills. So they may be working on playing bump and run or playing off. And then so we'll do that for five minutes. The last five minutes of the 15 would be together. So we're practicing a, a coverage like cover two, where the corner is the flat player and the safety is the deep half player. Or we're practicing cover three, where the corner is the deep third player and the safety is the curl flat player. We'll just do half a side versus each other so that we could see and, and could coach. That way, if it's one coach, um, he could coach them. If it's two coaches, one coach could, could help um, simulate the offense while the other coach is coaching up the defense. But I, I think because they do work and communicate together, you should have drills that include both of them, and then you need some drills because there is some some 
position specific things they have to get done. Sure. And have you ever found yourself in a, a scenario in any of the teams that you've coached at where you have a player in the defensive backfield that's just head and shoulders above the rest of the unit that you expect him or you've asked him to play both safety and corner and he has to learn twice the amount of information or do you tend to get players to specialize in one or the other? Yeah, yeah. It's more in college, you have guys that can play everything. We call those guys the Swiss Army knife, right? So those guys, what, what, what we try to do is you don't want to confuse him, but so you, you, whatever you're going to use him the most at is where he practices. And then the, once you know, okay, this game he may have to play safety or this game he may have to play corner, now what you do is you, you spend five minutes, that five minutes when it's an individual period that we talked about. Now he either goes to the corners and looks at corner stuff or he goes to the safety, depending on what you want to do. But that happens a lot, and you just have to really see where the player's mind is at. Is if he needs more um, classroom work at that position, or does he need more um, movement on the field? Because it, it, I think kids are players are smart enough to do both. But if you want them to maintain playing at a high level, you have to put them where they can learn so that they can play at a high level thing so let, let's talk about corners and your cornerbacks coach at the moment and let's say you're playing in a man coverage heavy scheme for the corner so two man under or cover one something along those lines what are some of the everyday drills um that you would want your corners to be focusing on um you know i, I always i always I think DBs in general are broken down into you're going to have your movement drills, your turnover drills, your man drills, your tackle drills, your scheme drills, and block destruction. So I'll say that again. So your movement drills would be your planning, driving, open up, um, plan, driving, kick 180, back that's backpedaling and opening up to your right and running running down the line, backpedaling, open up to your left, running down the line. Those are movement drills, right? Sure. Your turnover drills would be throwing the ball while they're doing those movement drills or just straight throwing the ball to them. Um, club, punch, rip drills, which means if they got the ball in their hand and it's loose, I want to try to club it. If they got the ball in their hand and they're running and I'm running side by side, I want to try to punch it. If they're in a pile, I want to try to rip it so we can practice those drills. The other thing is playing when we're in and out of phase where we're right next to a receiver and he has his beat. So I want to grab the near arm so he, could have, he can't catch it with two hands. Or um, in phase with him side by side, he attacks the, he looks up for the ball and then I attack it two hands. Um, that's the turnover drill. As far, as far as band drills, we press, which is bump. So we're, we're always going against each other as far as releases, giving each other release. A release is just at the line of scrimmage. The other DBs acting like he's the receiver. He's going to give me a little shake at the line of scrimmage, and I'm trying to use my footwork to cut him off. Then once I go, I go to the end of the line, and the next guy, because the guy who was a receiver, becomes a DB, and the next guy stands up, and he's a receiver. We do those. We also do playing off, which means you know, we're playing seven yards off of the receiver. We're aligned with leverage. The same thing. 
One of the DBs plays the receiver. One of the other DBs, the, the DB plays the corner. He's playing off with inside leverage or off with outside leverage, depending on what we're, what, what we're practicing. We're practicing man with no middle field player. He's inside leverage. If we're practicing man with a, a middle field safety, we're playing with outside leverage. So we'll do that. We'll, we'll do those releases um, and, and run routes from there. And, and that's part of our, our, our man stuff. And then again, we'll always practice the finish. If we're right next to the receiver and we're, we're saying we're in phase and we'll tap and uh, tap the ball at its highest point. If we're out of phase, we're going to attack his, his, his near arm so he has to make a one-handed catch. Then the next thing would be tackle drills. I think the tackle drills is, is very important for uh, DBs because a lot of times we're smaller than some of the guys we will be tackling. So when you're covering a receiver, you gotta, he catches the ball, you tackle him. That's probably your easiest tackle. The hardest tackle is when you're coming down, um, coming from off your receiver, and then the guy running back who's 235 is running and you're 185. And so you wanna make sure that you close the space which means get closer to him, grab grass. You want to gather yourself with your near foot up. And your near foot is your foot closest to the running back. You want that, that foot up and kind of kind of gallop or shimmy, if you will, with your near foot up and then practice tagging off that way until, um, until we get to a point where we want you to bring him down. But you want to make sure that you're practicing tagging him with your near foot, near foot up. Um, the other thing we do is um, – we practice rap and roll since we're a smaller person. And you say, how do I practice rap and roll? I just grab a bag that I could drag and a hoop. And then I'm on one side of the hoop and the DB is on half line of the hoop. And he run, goes around the hoop, puts his head on the outside of the hoop, grabs the bag and wraps and rolls. And then he should end up on his feet. You know, he should accelerate the rap, you know, uh, exaggerate the rap, accelerate the roll, will we'll make him roll back on his feet. And we'll just do that because that's what, that's a better tackle for us is just sweeping the legs and wrapping the feet and rolling. The other thing would be our scheme drills. Just uh, practice if we're going to run cover two, practice them taking their footwork, being cover two, bumping the receiver, and then looking, looking at number two, see who's in the flat, if anybody's going to the flat. Or if I'm playing deep third, practicing getting in my deep third and doing those things. And then one of the things that often gets uh, doesn't get addressed is block destruction. And that's important for corners. You say, what's block destruction? That's when there's a guy on me blocking, but I got to get to the ball carrier. So we practice that. We practice bounce and rip, which is we have a guy locked up where we're head-to-head locked up. And then the ball, and we have another guy being the ball carrier. What the ball carrier is going to do is just going to try to run in between two cones. What the DB or the corner is trying to do is he's trying to see where the ball carrier is. First thing first, get rid of the blocker. So we saw it called that bounce and rip. So you push him, pull him, and then you rip by him with correct leverage. If you're supposed to be outside and make the ball go inside, do that. If the ball is far away from you and you can beat him inside, then you bounce and rip inside and you attack the, the ball carrier there. That's just to get you off the blocker, and we practice a lot of that. So those are the those are the one, two, three, four, five, or six things that I think a corner has to do every day, as well. You know, DB in general has to do every day. Sure, and is it safe to assume that if you're working on them every day, that those drills 
are built into your practice plan every session or is it a mix and match depending on the things that you need to work on the most? Uh, good question. Good question. It's um, what you want to do. I mean, you know, if, if you're going to play a team that you're going to be playing a lot of man, then obviously you're going to do uh, a lot of the man drills and um, you may have to drop a tackle drill or you may have to drop a block destruction drill. Um, if you're playing a lot of zone, then you don't do as much man drills. You don't want to not be proficient in man drills, but you don't want to do as many. And you want to make sure you get all the other stuff, the block destruction, tacking the ball, the scheme drills and stuff. So what I, what I would always try to do is, because um, drills are fast. And if you could, if you have 10 minutes, you want to be able to get in 10 minutes, you want to get six different drills. If you can get five or six different drills and one at each block, I think you're doing a good job. Sure. And just talking about man and zone, for example, I know it's, it's very scheme, it's very scheme centric and it depends on what the defense coordinator is predominantly running. But how much do you, would you expect a corner to be able to line up head on, play man, line up with their hips facing the quarterbacks, playing uh, outside shape quarters and then hips facing the sideline? Is that dependent on the scheme that you're running or would you just, at college level specifically, would you be trying to teach them as much as you can so that they can then progress on to the next level? Yeah, um, you know, believe it or not, more and more at, um, at the college level, everybody's trying to be the best they could be there and not worry about getting their guys to the NFL. Um, selfishly, if guys are best with their hips to the quarterback, playing sideways, looking through, then that's what they play. Alabama, if you notice, University of Alabama, they do not backpedal at all, not with their corners. So that'll give you an idea. He's trying to do whatever he can to be the best right now. So to answer that question, whatever we do, we're going to do that makes us the best for our team. So whatever it's called defensively by Baylor's defense coordinator, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're a man, we're gonna be the best man team. We're a zone team, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the best zone teacher coaching the, the corners. Absolutely. And um, just to start wrapping uh, the interview up, for all the DB coaches that are listening, and for all the perhaps DBs that are still playing that are listening, you coached in the NFL for a number of years, and you mentioned. Darius Slay recently. Of all the guys that were sort of the next level, you know, some of the better players that you've coached, what are some of the similar similarities that you've seen between those uh, defensive backs that made them so successful? It'll be one thing, the extra time. Every good player, every Pro Bowl player per man um, knew how to steal extra time with me as a coach whether it be, you know, after practice real quick, hey, coach, show me that. Uh, I want you to look at this. I want you to watch me do this. Um, hey, coach, or after a meeting, hey, coach, before you, before you get dressed, man, let's, let's talk about that. Let me make sure I'm clear. They never went on the field unclear, and they wondered when they were on the field, if they wanted to try something, they made sure they had my attention and my instruction. Fantastic. Thanks, coach. Um, before we let you go, uh, I'll give coaches the opportunity to share their social media handles in case 
coaches over here want to to follow you on Twitter or, or anything else, uh, would you like to share some of your social media handles? Yes, sure. Um, my Twitter is at S T E W D G one, and it's at Stu D G one, and that's my Twitter handle. Fantastic. Thanks, Coach. I appreciate you taking the, the time to talk to the Bafka community. I'm sure there's a lot of great information in there that defensive coaches can take away. Um, I know this season's all a bit up in the air and a bit crazy at the moment, but best of luck going forward for the 2020 season with the Baylor Bears. Thank you. Same to you, Adam. Take care. Thank you again to Coach Brian Stewart and thank you for listening. Like, subscribe and share with your coaches and tune in next time for another Bafka Coaching Podcast episode. <music>